This is a Daily Wildcat production. Hello, lovely listeners. Your host, Vanessa, here with a note about this recording. You might hear some music and other noises in the background during our introductions in the first half of Alana's story because there was another recording going on at the same time. Also, I try my best to keep this a family-friendly podcast about crime, but due to the organic nature of this month's minisode, there are some curse words in this episode that add to the content of the stories. It's imperfect, but hey, that's podcasting. Wildcat crime listeners should be aware that this episode contains descriptions of sexual activity, stalking, harassment, threats, and suicide, and may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. lovely listeners, and welcome to a special mini-sode of Wildcat Crime, the monthly podcast dedicated to taking a closer look at some of the most infamous crimes to occur at the University of Arizona and within the Wildcat community, brought to you by the Daily Wildcat and Camp Student Radio. My name is Vanessa Ontiveros, and I'll be your host. But today, I am joined by some of my co-workers at the Daily Wildcat. Hi, I'm Alana Minkler, I'm the investigative editor, and I'm a sophomore. I'm Marissa Heffernan, I'm the managing editor, and I'm a senior. And I am Amy Bailey, and I am the photo editor, and I'm a junior. These women are all amazing, amazing, amazing editors. Thanks, Vanessa. Welcome. And they all have one other thing in common. They have all been victims of stalking. Now, I know I said during my last episode that these minisodes were going to be lighter than normal episodes, and at the time, I meant it. I had something else planned for this week. But then last week, and I don't remember how, we got on the topic of stalking, and I found out in very quick succession that three of my coworkers have been stalked. So we're going to talk about their stories. In a deviation from my normal style, this is going to be more of a roundtable discussion. This is an audio format, but, so you can't see it, but we're just in a circle right now. But I do have a few pre-prepared facts and figures to start off before we get into their personal accounts of stalking. So from what I've found, figures on stalking are kind of all over the map. So according to a University of Arizona Police Department pamphlet that I picked up today and promptly handed to Amy, 1.4 million people per year are stalked. One in 14 women, about 8%, and one in 45 men, about 2%. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics website, which was last revised in 2017, 1.4% of people in a given year report being stalked. In 2009, 3.4 million people reported being stalked. Women were at a greater risk than men, and three out of four stalking victims knew their stalkers in some way prior. Information from victimsofcrime.org, which was updated in 2011, said that 7.5 million people per year are stalked, 15% of women and 6% of men, and this was within their lifetime. According to John Carroll University's website, one in six women, about 16%, reported being stalked within their lifetime, and one in 17 men, or about 6%. People ages 18 to 24 experienced the highest rates of stalking, and 13% of college-age women reported being stalked within the past six to nine months. 
And of course, according to our informal daily wildcat poll, which is what we're working with today, we have eight female editors and three reported being stopped within their lifetime, which comes out to 37.5%. So what's your reaction to hearing those numbers? Yeah, I think it's not surprising because especially on a college campus, um, you're in a confined area and it's really unfortunately not so hard to figure out where people are going to be whether that's the dorm they live in or the classes they go to i walk the same route to class every day a lot of us do i recognize people on the way to class that i pass every tuesday and thursday so i think that just because we're all sort of stuck together on a campus um it makes stalking easier plus i think sometimes you don't realize you're being stalked like it for me it definitely took a longer time to realize that stuff was actually happening so there's some people out there that have no idea that it's occurring and I think that can and also at the same time people that don't report it so we don't really actually know truly the number yeah I mean I've never officially reported my stalking yeah I haven't either me neither mm-hmm. I mean like if on informal surveys that people send out I say I've been stalked but I've I never went to the police or filed any sort of formal report that would show up you know kind of on the university's radar yeah I think it's just so normal and then also there's like this whole like stigma of like victim blaming and not wanting to make a big deal out of things and just wanting to move on from it once it happens so I think that's why a lot of women or men don't report their stockings and with that Let's actually get into these stories. Um, Now, some names have been changed for privacy and safety reasons that should become pretty clear um, pretty soon, but some aren't. It was kind of up to the individual editor. So let's start with Alana. So when I was in high school, I lived in a neighborhood that was really small, like mostly old people, and there was only one other person my age. And this person was like younger than me, but seemed to be around a lot, so naturally we became friends. And at first it was like we would talk all the time, and then in high school he started becoming more troubled, And uh, I started feeling like I didn't want to be around this person anymore. He was being really weird, dressing really strange. Like he would wear like a lot of leather and like an af like a what's it called a mohawk. And um, I felt like he was intimidating, but he was still being nice. But he still always wanted to hang out, and then. One year, I somehow, he got my phone number, and then he started acting really creepy, and I was like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And then he exploded and started calling me uh, the B word and um, telling me that... uh, I was stupid and I don't I don't know all these weird things and then one night I was walking to the store and I saw him well I saw someone behind me at night 
And so I got really like nervous and then the person got closer and I realized that it was this kid who had just cussed me out like on my phone and I like ran to the the store and I hung out there for a while and then um I remember he started like yelling stuff at me but I couldn't hear him because I was like far away and then he went away like nothing happened out of it and I told my mom and then she told his dad and then he came to my open porch when I was alone and he was like he was being really weird but he was trying to be like really like overly sweet and nice and he was like hey can we still be friends I'm really sorry about what I said and I was like what what about you being creepy? And I was like, no, I don't really want to be friends, but thanks for saying sorry. So I, that weird thing happened where he cussed at me and then apologized. And then I was home and my parents thought that everything was cool. I don't know why, but they let him in. And I don't know why, um, why they let him in but I was in my room and then he just walked in and I was like what are you doing here and like he was like oh let's hang out and I was like okay so I like tried my best to be like cool with it and then he just hung around for a long time he was like all up in my house and I was eventually I was like okay can you leave and he left and then my friend she met him online or no okay my friend met him at high school in high school at a different high school and they became friends and he became obsessed with her and he started telling her to come over and then her cousin was like no stay away from him and they got in a big fight and then me and her were at the mall and we saw him and we were like oh my god what it that's the guy that like we both know that guy and we she told me what happened and i was like oh my god and then he started following us from a distance and i noticed and then he started getting closer and then he came up to my friend Faith and started talking to her and she was like uh, trying to be nice. And then we were like, I was like, okay, we gotta go, bye. And then he started f- like literally fall, like walking right behind us trying to keep talking to us. And I was like, leave us alone. And he like backed off, but I would still like see him like from a distance, like he was actually stalking us to try to scare us. And then a few weeks later, I saw him at a park that I was running at. I was like in cross country, so I was going on a run and I saw him at a park and he started yelling stuff at me and uh, like watching me run because we had to run laps and I would like, by him and then it like 
the fear fizzled out, I guess, and I did get, like, friend requests from him on Facebook, and I think I got a message request. Yeah, I got a message request, and I just blocked him, and I blocked him on everything, so that's my story. <laughs> Wasn't as scary, but it was still, like, physical stalking. All right, Marissa, do you want to, do you want to start telling your story? Yeah, so, like I had kind of said before, um, I was stalked in college. Um, it was a guy that I had met at various, uh, freshman mixers, you know, like, I was from across the country, so I went to all those, like, freshman events, and was like, let's make some friends, you know? Um, and so I'd see him around a little bit, you know, I talked to him, he seemed nice enough, um, we were both runners, like, we had a little bit of stuff in common, and then one evening around midterms of my, you know, my first set of college midterms, um, I remember how we had each other's number and we were texting each other, we were both kind of like, oh, we're so stressed, and we decided that, um, we would hook up, we were gonna have sex, we verbally laid out, like, this is a one-time thing, you know, like, neither of us are looking for a relationship, but we're bored, we're stressed, like, let's just do this, right? So, I went over to his room, we hooked up, you know, it was fine, it, nothing weird, it wasn't weird, it wasn't great, but it wasn't weird, you know, it was like, as a senior, I can say it's that typical, like, freshman sex experience where you're just figuring, like, everything out and you're away from home and this is super cool because you're in college now and there's crappy dorm bed and <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but, so a few days later, he texted me and he was like, I'd, I'd like to have sex again. And I was like, no, you know, I'm not really interested. We agreed it was a one-time thing. And at first he was like, okay, sure, but, like, I still want to be friends, you know, like, um, let's grab lunch sometime. And, you know, I didn't really want to, but I didn't want to be rude, and he was taking it well, so I was like, yeah, sure, we'll grab lunch. So we got lunch, like, one time, um, and then a couple weeks later, he started texting me a lot more aggressively, um, you know, asking to have sex again, asking to see me again, and at that point, I was really uncomfortable, and I, you know, I said no. Um, well, at first... I did a thing we all do, and was like a soft, like, oh, I'm, I'm really busy right now, I can't tonight, because I was taught from the time I started walking that you had to be polite and kind at heroin's feelings. So he got really aggressive, and he's texting me every single day. Um, so eventually I just got fed up, and I was like, no, no, I told you I'm not interested. Um, you know, I'm, I don't want to have sex with you again, and I don't really want to be your friend anymore because of, you know, how you're treating this. And um, kind of like Alana was saying, like, that just, that set him off. He blew up. He sent me, you know, just hundreds of text messages over the course of a couple hours. You know, what, do you want to die alone? Um, I'm the only man for you. I can't, and this is a little bit of profanity, but he told me, I can't let you fuck other guys. I won't let you. You know, I'm the one for you. You're mine now. Um... I can fix you, why are you so afraid to date, I bet you've been hurt before, and, at, you know, at that point, I was just really angry, so I was, you know, just, I was defending myself, and I was saying, I just don't want to, you know, like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll die alone with my friends and family and support system, you know, like, leave me alone, dude, um, and, after a couple of hours, I was like, you know what? You're not respecting me. You're not respecting my decisions. Don't talk to me again. And then I stopped responding. Um, 
and he sent me a bunch more messages and then he seemed to stop and I was like okay cool like that worked right until a couple weeks later where I was walking alone on campus in the evening and I get a text from him and he was just like wow that blue crop top looks amazing on you tonight and I did not see him I looked around I did not see him and that's what I was wearing so it wasn't like he was just like saying you look nice today like he could have been like he saw me and I couldn't see him and that went on for a couple months um every once in a while he would text me specifics about the outfit I was wearing and how good I looked in it um if he saw me with male friends he would text me and say oh are you sleeping with that bearded guy you were eating lunch with today I bet you are you know you slut you whore so I knew he was following me and I just I couldn't I never saw him you know I never saw him um and then he, well, and then my little sister, um, she's still across the country. She's still in high school at this point. She's a, she's a sophomore in high school. And she messages me and she's like, oh, like one of your lame friends just followed me on Instagram and liked all my photos. Like funny, funny, you know, tell them to bug off. And I was like, okay, yeah. You know, I have a, I have a bunch of friends who would probably think that's hilarious. You know, like spam my little sister. Um, what's his name? like oh it's um it's someone named Tristan so the stalker had found my younger underage sister on Instagram followed her and then liked all her photos and then he requested her on Facebook and you know I I was like I told her what's happening I was like you better block him so she did but that that kind of capped off a lot like just this kind of escalating creepiness until um he managed to integrate himself into my friend group he started flirting with one of my friends, sort of unbeknownst to me. She knew that this creepy guy had been stalking me, but didn't necessarily know who it was. Um, and they went on a couple dates. And then at one point she kind of came back to me and was like, yeah, um, actually, he must, you must know him because he keeps asking me about you. And again, I was like, Oh, maybe, you know, like, what's his name? Tristan. Um, and that was kind of like that, that friendship didn't last for a, a series of other reasons. That being one of them was that she actually continued to see him. And then we, at that point, we were living together in the same house and she, um, invited him over. Um, so he knew where I lived after he continually asked about me. So I moved out. Um, and this was all, this was all pretty much freshman year into a little bit into sophomore year and I moved off campus. Um, and it, it ended after that, um, until about two weeks ago when he messaged me on Facebook. Um, and I blocked him, but it's just interesting that we're doing this now because that was something that I was thought was over. Um, and here he is again. So... That's my story. <laughs> Amy? <laughs> oh, that's, that's a quick turn. Yeah, go. That was a very that's, quick transition. Yeah, well, there, <laughs> go, Marissa. Okay, we gave me time to think. Um, I mean, I would definitely say I had a very similar experience. Mine has, unfortunately, hasn't stopped, and I don't really know if it's, if it's my problem to figure that out. 
Um, probably not. Probably yeah. not. <laughs> but <laughs> gonna give a hard no on that one probably and say it's probably the stalker's fault. Well, no, yeah. it shouldn't be, but probably will be. <laughs> that, well, that's yeah. the better assessment. I mean, it's of it. it's kind of what my my mind says to myself. But um, no, mine started kind of like uh, freshman year as well. I, he was actually one of my friends in my dorms. I met him um, in La Paz, and we became friends, like, right off the bat. Very normal guy, really nice, really kind. Uh, he was a little bit older than me, but, I mean, nothing strange. Throughout the year, you know, he always talked to me. He was like, oh, you know, I kind of like you. And I was like, sorry, no, don't see you that way. And he instantly was like, no problem. Like, we, I got it. Over summer, we kind of had the same situation totally normal but then I kind of realized that during school and during summer he started like my friends just were like oh I, I can't want to talk to you right now like I'm mad at you but would never give me an explanation and somehow it always linked to him but for some reason I never connect those dots um and I was like oh that's really strange so I would you know go talk to him about it and he's like yeah they're just horrible like I don't know why they would do that and I'm like okay and you know sophomore year um, the very, very beginning, I, we would see them at parties, and I'd be like, hey, like, are you okay? Like, did I do something? They're like, we just want to talk to you. And it was always when he was around me, and I just never really got the message of that. So we kind of dated for a little bit, and, I mean, yeah. Um, and there was a point where people started coming up to me and just like, you know, he's kind of he's kind of weird with you. Like, he's he talks about you in, in our frat, and, you know, it's just very strange. It's not normal. And I was like, well, that's weird. So I confronted him about it, and he was like, no, I, they're, they're lying about it. Like, I, you're just my friend. Like, we've made that clear now because we just don't want to date for a little bit. And I was like, that's fine. Um, and into the second semester, he, it kind of all just flipped because he went down the spiral of just hating himself. And every five minutes, it would be a call or a Snapchat saying, like, hey, can I talk to you right now? Like, I'm in a bad place. And, of course, I was like, yeah, like, like I'll help you. I want to get you through it. And, I mean, it was strange because if I never replied to something or anything, it would, he would immediately, like, arrive at my house. Or I would get a phone call saying, like, what, like, what the heck? Like, why are you not responding to me? And it would be either I was in class or I took power naps, you know? Four-hour naps are the best. Um, but it clearly, happens. yeah, it happens. He just didn't understand that. And near the, kind of in the end of second semester, uh, sophomore year, he actually hurt himself. Um, and he would just drive to Nogales, and first time he tried to jump off cliff. But supposedly, what I've been told by him was that he was about to text me saying goodbye, and he saw a picture of us and was like, I can't do it. And he didn't luckily did not hurt uh didn't commit uh suicide and then you know drove to my house immediately he was like this is what happened like i i just, i don't know what to do he was a mess and of course i as a friend helped him along but then i realized it just kind of grew more into like he had problems so i mean the stalking part like i didn't it i didn't think it was anything when people kept coming up to me at this time like you know he's really possessive of you he's kind of like we're at parties, kind of like with your situation, if any of my friends that were guys came around me, instantly would just be like, back the heck off, like, I don't want you near Amy, um, Amy. and I would, I'm just like, well, that's just guys being guys, like, kind of just went right over my head, and then, um, this, he hurt, tried to hurt himself again, second time, and, but he didn't tell me anything about it, like, nothing, like, I, he came to class one day, 
to see me and he just had a bandage on his arm and I was really confused and I remember the next day it was Super Bowl Sunday and he was like I have something to give you and we had a party at his house and I was like okay what is it we walked upstairs to his room and he gave me a Swiss Army knife that was his mother's and I was like this is the strangest thing why would you give this to me and he was like I just need to talk to you so you know we got in his car we drove off and just something about it you just you can kind of feel that it was weird and when we got back he was like and I have a letter for you that I need to give you and it was you know this whole thing that explains what happened and I remember reading it in the car which was probably not the best idea because I was driving um and I just remember reading it like a bajillion times and it was strange because it was both I realized I was the reason for saving him and also the reason for him hurting himself and it just kind of broke me completely and I didn't really know how to deal with it but this is the part that it kind of kills me inside because skip forward to uh, junior year and he waited all summer didn't really snapchat me didn't text me anything and he comes to my house first day and says I need to tell you something and I'm like okay what's up and he's like it was all for a study for class and I honestly, I, uh, I couldn't even look at him because it was so difficult. And that's when I kind of started realizing that what else did he lie about? And, you know, I asked my friends, like, what did you guys think? And they're like, yeah, no, he didn't tell us it was for, like, a study. Why would it be for a study? That doesn't make sense. And right after that, you know, we went to another party and he actually got in a fight with one of my guy friends. And then it all kind of just clicked together. And I realized that um, in his house, he had, you know, like a collection of things that like kind of like represented us. Like he had photos of me everywhere and it was just very strange. And I was like that, like we're not together. And he kept really con- like constantly kept pushing that like, oh yeah, we're more than that. We're more than friends and would tell all my friends to like kind of encourage it. And I, for some reason it was just, things started popping up so he would come to my house miraculously miraculously with like ice cream my favorite flavor and he was like oh I heard that you were upset today I was like well, who'd you hear it from he goes oh no it's from somebody and I had talked to no one that day except for my roommates and I'm like well, that's weird and he would just have my favorite flavor of ice cream and I'm like how did you know that was my favorite and he's like I just I just knew and I learned from other people that he actually like he was there at a market one time when I was there because I kind of asked my friends about it and he started giving me gifts like uh, I got a giant uh, dog for Valentine's Day even though we were not together and I didn't ask for it and he would just put it he would be like you put it on my car and say hey I need you to come outside really fast like something's happened to your car and of course I would sprint outside and it would just be my car would be covered with stuff and it got a little bit uncomfortable because it's like I don't want these things I don't know why I'm getting them and after this happened a couple times I realized the pattern and I was I was like I'm not coming outside like no and I started realizing what he that he has been following me he had been showing up at weird places and new stuff that I would never have told him or anyone else that are around me and kind of like what happened with you Mar- uh, Marissa he would text me and be like oh like what do you want to do today and I'm like oh nothing and I'm I'm just at home just because I didn't want to talk to him he's like no you're not you're you're at the market and I'm like how the heck do you know that he goes oh I just I saw you and on snapchat and I was like that's 
impossible. Like, what? And I had no idea that he's been doing that. And um, I don't know, to wrap it all up, like, some other weird things that happened was if after I started catching on to it, I, like I said, I didn't want to accept any gifts. So he came to my house one time when I texted him saying, you know, I'm done. Like, I don't want to affiliate with you. You clearly don't get the message that I just want to be friends. And if this point, I don't really want to talk to you. He drove immediately to my house and, you know, kind of pounded on the door a little bit. And I was like, don't answer the door. Like I told all my roommates and they were like, okay, no problem. And then he uh, texted me again saying, you know, I left something like, I need you to come outside again. Like I need to show you something. And I was like, I'm I'm not going to respond. And I, my roommates, you know, turned off my lights and I just pretended, I guess that I was going to bed, but whatever. And literally within 10 minutes, my roommate opens a Snapchat of his story and it's him with like a giant thing of roses and, he th- and he's driving along, he throws out the window and goes, I guess this is for you, this is what you get. And it just kind of fell apart from there. And I mean, he's done little small things here and there, but um, I haven't heard from him since uh, the last part of last semester. I have seen him around um, he has been in my, the office recently and not know that I've no I like I've seen him and it's just not fun. I know he's been around my house because I can. It's sad at this point that I can tell the sound of his car. Um, and yeah, just I'm hoping to figure something out. That's a very brief, hopefully, interview of it. <laughs> It's hard to condense it all. Yeah, yeah. When it's gone on for years. Yeah, I mean, three, going on three years, It's there's a lot of stuff that kind of slips in that you just don't really think about. And I mean, like, I remember when you talked to us about doing this, I was trying to, like, remember all these things and just kind of putting the, the puzzle together, it, you just kind of uncover more things that just did not add up in the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of is interesting. The red flags become a little more yeah. red in retrospect. Well, and I and I feel bad for the people that I know he's pushed away from me, and it's like, well, I took his side instead of the people that he are hurt that it's basically hurting, and um, I mean, I I realize now the manipulation that he has caused, and it's just it's strange. So obviously, or maybe not so obviously, the actions that. have been described in these stories are criminal actions. But anti-stalking laws are disturbingly new. In order to prove stalking, you really have to have hard physical evidence of a pattern of intentional behavior. Those are kind of the three key aspects. And um, victims of stalking can get an order of protection, but that may or may not prove effective. A person who is already breaking the law and harassing someone is not likely to suddenly respect a legal order of protection telling them to stay away. So we kind of covered this a little bit earlier, but I want to know kind of what your thought process was in not going to law enforcement. And you've kind of discussed a few ways how you informally handled it, like you, Alana, kind of went to your went to your parents, but that didn't always work. Um, so I just want to kind of get a sense of how you guys decided how to handle it. And I want to make it clear, we are not here to judge your decisions. Someone from the outside has no right to criticize these decisions. But I'm just curious how you kind of went about it. So obviously, I went to my parents, but I couldn't have gone to law enforcement because I had no physical evidence besides those texts from him. And 
uh, my parents saw that like he went in, he was in our house but they let him in so they didn't really do any help um, I was really young and naive so I I just made a big drama out of it I didn't want to go to the police and he was young too I didn't want to ruin his life I guess yeah mine for me it was a little different um, I think that I felt like, I mean, I guess I was the same that I felt like I didn't have enough. You know, I had all these texts that made it clear that he was around me and, you know, following me and, and checking up on me, but, um, you know, I, there wouldn't be property damage. It wouldn't, you know, I was afraid, but I didn't feel like I was afraid enough. Um, and another big part was the fact that I had had sex with him and not in a relationship, but just, I had just hooked up with him. You know, it was just something casual. Um, and I feel like we all know how the police would have handled that. Um, historically, you know, it would have, it's just, you know, it's my fault. I shouldn't have slept with him. You know, it, it comes with me. I, I feel like I didn't want to go to law enforcement because I didn't, I was already scared and upset and I didn't want to tell this whole story again for them to just tell me to suck it up and to stop sleeping around, um, which is what I felt would have happened. Um, and the only time I regretted it is when I wonder if he has been doing this to other people and if no one's reporting it, it'll, you know, he'll never stop, he'll never be caught. Um, so I kind of regret not saying anything just for others um, because sort of like what Alana was saying, like if this guy is doing it to one, you know, he, he's probably doing it to others. He, he stalked your friend, Alana, and I, I'm not friends with anyone else, you know, that this guy has been in contact with, but I'm sure he's done it again. Mm -hmm. I also want to kind of point out that um, I write the police beat for the Daily Wildcat, so I have to familiarize, I familiarize myself with a lot of the reports that come into UAPD. And whenever it is something of kind of harassment, um, especially gender-based harassment, I always pay extra attention to those. But the by far the biggest reason women say for reporting is, well, I don't want to press charges. I just want to report so it doesn't happen to anyone else. And I think this idea of, oh, I'm 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 not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna report it for me, but for other people is such a common thing amongst women who have been in these situations. And it, I, just, I just find it really interesting. Yeah, I feel like it, I just, I didn't wanna make a scene. You know, I feel like this happens all the time. So, and I was lucky in that I was never physically hurt. You know, like I wasn't raped, I wasn't assaulted. Um, other people are. So I guess I sort of felt like I got off easy with him just following me around campus for a couple of years um, and not doing something more physical, um, which isn't necessarily the right thing, but it's, <laughs> it's how I feel. <laughs> I think that um, that's like a really common theme with uh, like women not wanting to cause a scene, feeling like their stories aren't 
big enough or like crazy enough and then just waiting for it to lead up to something yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that, violence yeah. um like we don't think that we can make complaints and make a big deal out of things because I think that we've always been raised to think that we should just be the calm ones and be the ones that like are level-headed yeah I would agree with that so I never reported him to the police, but I did lodge a complaint um, with Residence Life oh, the next go. year yeah. because I had walked by Arbol de la Vida. I had already moved out, um, and he was an RA. Oh, oh. Yeah, nope. Um, so at that point, oh, no. I it was anonymous, but I did lodge an anonymous complaint saying this man should not be an RA. An RA. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess I did. I totally forgot that because it just seems so <laughs> inconsequential. But <laughs> but so I guess I did I did that. But again, it was because I was like, this man should not be in charge of other young impressionable men, nor should be any kind of position of authority over a woman. Like he should he shouldn't be an RA, right? Like that. So that's why I complained. Um, and he, I mean, I don't know, but the next time I came by Herbal, his photo was no longer up on the board of RAs. So I don't know if he's actually removed or not, but I did complain that time. I mean, I've had everyone that I've ever told about it, they're like, go talk to the police, go do this. And I'm like, like nothing, like, yes, it is kind of in the back of my head every five seconds. And sometimes I do look over my shoulder, but it's like, I honestly, they can't do anything until something happens, which is kind of horrible. But it's like, I understand where they're coming from at the same time. And it's like, you just don't want to be another statistic, I think. Some people, I know a lot of people feel like that. And it's just, yeah. You don't kind of, sometimes I feel like I don't want to waste the police time just being like, this is happening. And they're like, okay, yeah, like that happened to five other people. Like, yeah, we'll write a, we'll write a note about it yeah, and stick it in a file. Stick it in a file. Or like mm-hmm. sometimes I know they will like go to the person and sometimes they'll confront them about it. And I, there are moments that I just don't want them to get him angry and aggression comes back. Because that's probably one of my biggest fears. Yeah, I know that when I told my story earlier, I said I had blocked him on, you know, everything. Which I think is a common first reaction. But after a couple of weeks, I actually unblocked his phone number. Just because I was worried, like you said, that he was going to escalate into violence. and. I wanted to know that was coming, you know, like if he started, because you know, when you block someone, they can text you and I'll just never get it. So he could be texting me threats and I would never see them. And that, that made me more nervous, which is why I I unlocked his number. So just if he did start texting me something like that, I guess I could at least be a little more on guard. Mentally, you know, yeah. (laughs) So I hope everyone listening to this kind of walks away feeling a little bit more aware Um, I used to refer to stalking as my biggest irrational fear, but after hearing these stories, I don't think it's so irrational. And I just want to thank all of you guys for agreeing to share your experiences. And the world is a scary place, so I recommend all listeners do what Amy and I did right before this recording, and likely will do right after this ends. Go watch some puppy videos. Best thing ever. It's how we prepped for this. From the Daily Wildcat and Camp Student Radio, this has been Wildcat Crime. Thank you all for listening. Till next time. Thank you for listening.
listening to this mini-sode of Wildcat Crime. If you liked it and want to hear more from us in the future, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help the show. And tell your friends. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Wildcat Crime Pod. Feel free to message us with questions, comments, or episode ideas. You can also reach us by emailing vanessao at dailywildcat.com. This episode was edited by yours truly, Vanessa Ontiveros, recorded in Camp Studios. Our logo was designed by Nick Trujillo. Our music was Ghost Dance by Kevin McLeod. Special thanks to everyone at Camp Student Radio. Special thanks to the Daily Wildcat. And a very special thanks to everyone who appeared on the podcast today. Amy Bailey, Marissa Heffernan, and Alana Minkler. Once again, thank you for listening. This has been Wildcat Crime. Till next time. Mm-hmm.